Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Regular. My name is Asan, and I am joined once again by best friend of the show, Derek from college. How are you, Derek? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, you're always welcome here. Um, well, it's nice to be liked somewhere. <laughs> Very true. Sometimes Speaking you want to go where nobody, where the only person that knows your name is the other co-host of the podcast. Sometimes you want to go where no man has gone before. That is that true. Was- Sometimes you do. <laughs> Sometimes you want to do a lot of things. <laughs> um, what did you, speaking of which, what did you do this week? Oh, worked. That's yep. it. Yeah, nothing nice. really happened. We had a big, um, <laughs> since we last talked, we had a big weekend. Was it last okay. weekend or the weekend before? I cannot remember. I think it was last weekend. Okay. Um, big weekend. Drove up to my parents' place. Saw, I hadn't seen my sister and my brother-in-law in over like two years, so we we saw them and the parents and the other sister and stuff like that and then we left sunday morning to drive out to scottsdale to mm-hmm. visit a for a buddy's birthday where a group of adults and far more adults than children went to medieval <laughs> times and uh it was a it was a good time nice. have you been when was the last time you were at medieval times um not since i was maybe in like middle school or high school like we should go family trip yeah we should go it is we should get some people together and go because it is it's fun when you're a kid it's Uh almost even better when you're an adult (laughs) because you can you see how silly it is but it's also super fun now do they sell alcohol (laughs) at medieval times oh don't you worry yes they do (laughs) okay (laughs) i have a uh, plastic drinking horn in my uh, cabinet right now that was 37 (laughs) dollars that attested that they sell alcohol Nice. I just uh, walked they- up and I was like, well, they were only selling like you had to get you. It was a it was a glass you had to take home, right? Because COVID of rules, course. Delta variant, and all that stuff. Of Everybody's course. not knowing how to deal with it, even though we do know how to deal with it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, yeah. So you're going to take a glass home either way. Mm-hmm. And we already had free drink tickets like through the party. So it was like, yeah, that's ah, a couple extra bucks. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? It um, has a necklace holder. So it really makes you look like a giant dork. <clears throat> but now I'm prepped for the Ren Fair. So that's good news. <laughs> did they have a falconer at this one? I believe that. I think you have to have a falconer at every single one of them. <laughs> okay. I don't think you can call yourself a medieval time. I feel like there are certain <laughs> certain touch points that you have to have in order to call yourself medieval times, and definitely that's having true. a falconer is um, <laughs> that's one of them for sure. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah. Well, medieval times sounds like a lot of fun. I haven't been in a while, but yeah, I, I would is. definitely love to go. There um, was one night that uh, ended up winning the tournament that just. Long flowing hair. AJ called him Captain Sex. Like, he was just the way he rode the horse. And I've ridden horses. I've worked with horses before. Uh-huh. I've done a lot of stuff in my life, I'm realizing. But, like, <laughs> like all this stuff. But so, like, I know how you should and should not ride a horse and how you mm-hmm. can and cannot ride a horse. And looking, mm-hmm. he was putting some extra hip thrust into riding that horse. Like, he came out of that gate just like, ladies. <laughs> We're going to play with some long, hard objects today. Any takers? You're just like, all right, tone it down there, buddy. Yeah. All the other ones um, are just doing it normal, and he's just like, eh. Like, every time he would come out riding on a horse, my buddy whose birthday it was, his friend, AJ, his uh, my buddy's birthday, his wife, I think her parents and the guy next to me, we were all just like, mm-hmm. eh. like you can't see me, listeners, but I'm slowly hip thrusting and making <laughs> yeah. lewd faces whenever he would come out because it was just, it was so like, wow, bud. Like you think that one of the notes from management would be like, so good performance today, everybody. But uh, hey, Eric, 
<laughs> Eric, you, you, were you paying attention? You weren't? Okay. Hey, real quick, if you could not ride the horse like you're trying to have sex with it, that'd be fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> and we're done. Yeah. That's lunch. That's hilarious. It was a good time, uh, though. It was really nice. fun. Uh, one of the things I did this week is I watched the film The Green Knight. <gasps> you did. I did watch what The Green Knight. What did you Knight. think? I've been like... Not sure if I want to make that my first movie back in the theaters or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say go see it. Uh, it's probably not going to be in theaters for a long, long time just because it's an A24 smaller movie. Right. But um, it's it's good. Well, it's really son, good. That's why I created a theater at home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, it's really good. Uh, I would say watch it. Um, I want to watch it again because mm -hmm. it is a movie that warrants multiple viewings. Um, yeah, it's really good. Dev Patel awesome. did his thing. Um it's very, um, like with all A24 movies, they do a lot with, like, very little. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it was good. It's really good. Like, it's, a, it's a great movie. Uh, it's, it is truly, like, um, it feels like a fable. Like, it feels like a, mm -hmm. like a legend. Like, it feels like oh, a, um, yeah, it's good. It's good. Like you would think that it should feel like. Yeah. If you're looking for modern trappings, there are none. <laughs> Only more horses. <laughs> also, it looks like one of those movies that just goes, also, do not watch this on acid or mushrooms. You Basically, will yeah. piss yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, it looks good. Else? I'm very excited. And I've heard nothing but glowing reviews about it. So yeah, that's one good. of those, excuse me, that's one of those that I... I was going to sit down and watch it on Saturday, but then you mm -hmm. hit me up for what we were going to talk about today. So I was mm -hmm. like, all right, so I'll just swap it out. But generally, mm -hmm. what I'll do is I'll uh, typically I'll pick it, and not that I don't like watching movies with her, but it's just a, it's a me thing. It's just the way I like to do it for, the, for a mm -hmm. movie I've wanted to see for a while. I'll get it completely dark, which our house right now gets really dark in the daytime if I close up all the windows and stuff. So mm -hmm. it feels like a movie theater. And then I've got, I have like, you know, one of the largest TVs known to man. So that also helps. <laughs> <laughs> TV, the final frontier. And a surround sound gaming headset. So it's just like, I'm there. Like, let's do it. Oh, I've never, I haven't watched a movie with a game headset on. You should. I should do that. You should. I watched, um, oh, what is it? It was the um, Dunkirk. Oh, wow. I watched that Dunkirk like with, those, with those headphones on. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> I was done. It was just like. <laughs> Wow, you were done. You were done, Kirk. I only, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and if you're listening for the first time, you can just expect more of that humor. So if it's not your cup of tea, I'm sorry. But please hang in there because we're glad you're here. Um, yeah, speaking of movies, uh, I watched another movie this week that okay. I liked that if I, I want to see more stuff be made like this. It was a good low budget uh, mm -hmm. B movie horror movie called Psycho Gorman. Okay. And uh, the practical effects are out of control mm -hmm. and just really fun and the prosthetics and stuff. And so it's basically um, it's these two kids, the mm -hmm. brother and sister, and the kids the kids steal the show for the most part. Okay. Um, they're great. Mm -hmm. So it's these two kids are playing in their backyard and they find this gem and this gem controls an dark alien overlord from the okay. planet Gygax, who threw the, um, who threw the universe into turmoil and chaos when he was able to be unleashed last time, so mm -hmm. they took, uh, either he hid the stone, or something like that. But these kids find it, and if they have the stone, they can control him. 
So he comes looking, that's what it is. He comes looking for the stone. They have it. And so it's these two kids in like middle school, like early high school that are able to just control this guy, like the term, like mm. in Terminator two. So it's like anybody that pisses these, these kids off, they just die. And got it. yeah, it's actually really fun. So it's like his, it's got a, it's horror, it's horror comedy. I think is the best gotcha. way I can describe it because I was laughing, and maybe I'm just <laughs> twisted, but I was laughing a lot. And yeah. there's some really good, just like com- really solid comedy element bits. Um, it does go off the rail in the third act because they try to go, they try to go too big with yep. a small concept. Yep, and it's a little too, I don't know, it just doesn't translate. Not okay. saying it's bad, but I just found myself in that moment being like, I feel like. A different ending would have been better served here, but mm-hmm. it was the, pretty much the only logical conclusional ending you could have had with the way that they set up the story and the characters. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got a slacker dad who <laughs> starts out as kind of a funny person, and then in the in the end, I was like, "Oh, you're just a loser." Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's a good time. It's real fun. All right, cool. Yeah. And you said there's uh, there's a lot of good practical effects in it amazing practical effects in it okay. like if they can get it like there's cgi is used as an it's like the way nolan tends to use cgi more as like to accentuate the environment or to accent sort of the mm-hmm. the supernatural or like um i don't know the special effects it's used to mm-hmm. augment the movie as opposed to take it over and control it so gotcha okay yeah. that sounds good so if they can put it if they can make it practically they do it and okay. I thought it was a practical effects guy that uh, it looks like the guy that used to do that did. Um, um, so he's done a ton of stuff, but his mm-hmm. most recent like big one that you would know he did. Uh, he created the Cheddar Goblin for um, Mandy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so yeah. he created the Cheddar Goblin for Mandy, and um, he's done a bunch of other stuff. But I th- cool. it looked like his work, and I was surprised to see it wasn't. But yeah, go check uh, go check Psycho Gorman out. Psycho Gorman. All right, I'll check it out. I think it's um, three ninety nine on Amazon to rent right now, something like that. So that sounds cool. Yeah, super um, easy. You're not like you know dumping cash for something you may not like. <laughs> yeah, um, we've been going through um, uh, Malcolm in the Middle because mm. Julie's never seen that show. I haven't either. Oh, dude! <laughs> you, you, you! If you're looking for a show to go through. Because we, we basically will pick a show like that went for a long time to go through, and that's like our dinner show that we watch while gotcha. we eat. And so we did. You got to have those shows. You got to have dinner yes. shows, and then you got to have the real shows you watch. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So uh, we we went through King of the Hill, and we're basically we're doing all of the sort of the shows I grew up with that she never saw. So now we're going through Malcolm in the Middle. We're in like season two. Uh, it it is such a good show. Like it is really really and it was a groundbreaking show for the Mm. time because it was one of the first um single cam family sitcoms because at that point everything was like multi-cam on a soundstage Mm -hmm. and it was one of the first single cam shows on like a major network i remember that switch over too as a child you were like what is happening this looks a lot more real world and i don't know if (laughs) i like this yeah there's no laugh track either which was like new for the time uh, I don't yeah, mind a laugh track if it's an actual studio audience, but when they start right. piping in laugh tracks, it's like, mm, yeah, nope, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really good, man. Uh, uh, what's his? Brian Cranston is phenomenal in it. Um, Jane Kaczmarek as the mom is just oh, 
Oh, she is a powerhouse in that Dude, show. She's great. The clips I've seen from that show yeah. and the ads I saw for that show growing up, I was always very much, I was always more interested in what the parents were doing yeah. than the kids in that show. Yeah. It, it's really good. The kids are all really, Frankie Muniz is like a really, really, really good actor <laughs> on that show. Uh, they, all the kids do a really good job, but Frankie mm -hmm. Muniz is like, when you consider... Uh, I think he's probably like 15 on that show, and you consider like the um, like the just the amount of emotional work the kids have to do on that show. It's oh. like it's insane. Child really actors good. are will constantly forever be impressive and a problem <laughs> in our society. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's real good, man. Uh, it's a real ensemble show too. Um, yeah, it's really good. I would say watch it if you uh, if you're at all interested. I think it ran for like eight seasons, so there's plenty of it to watch. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's good. Okay. We're doing a similar thing with um, my movie collection and AJ right mm, now mm -hmm. on, um, we call it Blockbuster Night, mm -hmm. which will go to Blockbuster, because I have probably, I have a couple hundred DVDs and Blu-rays mm -hmm. in our ottoman in our living room, and what we'll do is she'll just pop it open and go through with it, because she hasn't seen most of them. So mm -hmm. it's it's kind of fun, because it's like I get to rewatch them from a fresh perspective where I haven't seen it before. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so the first one... First night we watched this a couple weeks ago, we, uh, she picked Roadhouse. <laughs> nice. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> a good time was had by all. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was funny. She watched it. We ended up. I was like, what do you think? She's like, that was awesome. I was like, yeah, yeah. I know. It's Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Anything with Patrick Swayze is going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing because Swayze. Yeah. The Patrick Swayze is good. Uh, um, speaking of Patrick Swayze, um, I'm going to pivot to Patrick Swayze adjacent. Mm. Have you seen the trailer for uh, the Val Kilmer documentary? I have. It looks really good. <laughs> yeah, it does. Like, that's what I've seen. People are like, this is amazing. I'm like, ooh, yeah. I'm going to check that it, out. I like, love I'm Val super Kilmer. into that. Yeah. And I apparently a lot of the footage is from like a documentary that he himself was doing, like an autobiographical mm -hmm. documentary that he didn't finish or something yeah. like that. So it's all like, super personal footage that they're using, which I'm like, it makes yeah. me even more like, get me in there. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to hear the Batman stories and just oh. all of that. Like, there's such a wild time in his oh career. My God. <laughs> like, the meteoric rise of Val Kilmer to yeah. the sudden just halt of his career yeah. due mm -hmm. to... I think it's substance abuse and cancer is just mm -hmm. it's wildly fascinating i've always yeah. been a fan of his mm -hmm. i'm excited for the new um i'm excited for the new top gun top gunner yes. um topper <laughs> <Yeah>. topper gun <laughs> the top gunning the top gunning in um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever they're calling it um just to see his because he's gonna be in it they're and calling it uh top gun to the streets top <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know we're all really good pilots. Why am I talking like Vin Diesel? It just seems like a Vin Diesel kind of family plot. Yeah. I know we're all really good pilots, but can you take it to the streets with my yeah. family? Tom Cruise crash lands his fighter jet into an inner city and has to like work with the local youth to like rebuild his plane and teach them the values of and it's being a, a hero. Young, it's a young Vin Diesel, young Dom Toretto. <laughs> Yeah. Yo, yeah. there's a whiz kid with engines that lives in the neighborhood, mister. You gotta go see him. He's eight years old, still wearing a wife beater. What do you want? Yeah. God. So it's like a car with wings? It's like a car with wings. I can fix that. Dominic. I gotta go have dinner with my family. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I want to see that movie now. I. Yeah. 
It's just too bad we just don't have a Hollywood slush fund that you and I could just be like, and now we're just yeah. going to make that movie because we feel like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we just watched a movie that Julie had never seen but is one of my favorites, and I can't remember what movie it is right now, which is really bumming me out because she really enjoyed it, and I'm like, dang it. If I think of it, I'll just yeah, blurt just it out in the middle of In the of middle of what we're talking about today, just blurt it out, and it'll be great. Yeah. Then we'll go on a little rabbit trail for five minutes, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Speaking of, do we want to talk about the topic that we came together to talk about today? Sure. Um, we can definitely do that. Um, Unless you had something any- else you wanted to discuss before we dove in. Um, I guess the only thing I'm thinking of is, uh, I guess to keep things timely while we're here, have you seen any of, uh, have you seen the the Venom 2 trailer, the full I trailer? Have. Yes, I've seen Okay, what'd you think of that? <laughs> Law of <laughs> Diminishing Returns, right? Yeah. I got fired up. The first one was, I got fired up. It was like, all right, all the elements are there. Tom Hardy, we're looking good. And then I saw it and went, oh, this was the final pass of your CGI, and this yeah. was the final pass of your script. So yeah. I was a little less excited. Still not like disappointed, but I was a little less mm-hmm. excited after the first one. Mm-hmm. And then the teaser for Let There Be Carnage came out, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's more, of, <laughs> that's more of what didn't work about the first one. And then <laughs> right. this trailer basically just put a, gun to it, put a gun to its head and killed itself right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I saw the first, there was like a, a teaser trailer mm-hmm. uh, for uh, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Um, and I saw that one and I'm like, I had the exact same reaction you had. I'm like, oh, you took more of the bad comedy from the first one and just and the added horrible more CGI. Of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why is there, see, we live in 2021. <laughs> when you can create a g- computer generated image where you can't tell if it's a real human or a fake human being, why, yeah. why in the world are we still <laughs> using CGI that looks like it was coming out in 2003? I don't know, man. Like, I think it's why? kind of a. I think it's like a stylistic choice to make it look more like, like cheap. Uh, fan- is that their style? Yeah. Cheap, because cheap is yeah. a style. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see kind of what they're going for. It's just not super effective. Mm-mm. Um, but uh, I will say, I will say though that the second trailer, the the longer trailer, I think is a better trailer. I don't oh, think agree. that it's necessarily saying that it's going to be a better movie, right? But I think it's a better trailer because there's less of the bad comedy, sort of like odd couple kind of jokes in it, and mm-hmm. it's more so just like a plot trailer. Right. So I like that a little bit more, but still, yeah, I, I'm hoping that the movie <laughs> completely blows me away, and I'm like super me surprised too. by it. But I don't know that it will. <laughs> I. That's the thing. Every. I was accused one time when we uh-huh. were in college together of wanting things to fail and wanting other people's projects to fail. And I'm like, that's not mm-hmm. it at all. I want everything to succeed. I want every movie and every piece of media to come out to just be a wild home run. Mm-hmm. However, not all of them can, not everything is gold. And um, right. when it comes to stuff like this, it's like you watch enough stuff like we do and you can kind of it's it's like when you t- when you sit behind a bar for long enough, you can tell who the trouble customers are going to be before they even mm-hmm. hit the bar top. It's like same thing mm-hmm. with movie trailers. You just go, yeah, it's not going to be good. And I've had people, my wife included, be like, you just need to give it a chance. And I'm like, I'll give it a chance, but I know what it's going to be like. And I'm still probably not going to change my mind. However, I want it to change my mind. I hope it changes my mind because I would really like to see a movie in which Woody Harrelson is able to play a comic book villain in a non-schlocky way. Yeah. 
Because I've wanted to see him get inside as a as a villain in a superhero movie for a very very long time, whether it was you know CGI, you know mocap or whatever. But it kind of just go don't burn don't burn the one opportunity we have to put Woody Harrelson in as something as a psychopathic like serial killer who then gets a like-minded symbiote attached to him like don't don't burn that for me like please yep. make it good that's all i'm asking mm-hmm. and so far the trailer does not i want to see woody harrelson i know this is kind of a left turn but i want to see woody harrelson do a tarantino movie i would too i think he he's like born to be in a tarantino movie. oh i agree completely <laughs> the fact that they haven't met they haven't worked together i don't think they've worked together but i don't think so the fact that they haven't yet in a major role i'm like what are you doing yeah um i don't know that um oh no he just did i'm tripping i was gonna say i don't know that matthew mcconaughey has either but they just did uh once upon a time yep. in hollywood so yeah was, uh, I think no, the, no, was matthew mcconaughey in once upon no time? that's brad pitt it's brad pitt that's brad pitt i'm tripping matthew so McConaughey, maybe matthew yeah. mcconaughey does need yeah, to you also are be in a tarantino movie You're tripping hard. <laughs> both of them need <laughs> yeah. to be in a tarantino movie yep they they do um yeah cool. uh let's let's get both of those made Look, let's do it you know what I'll drive up, I'll pick you up, we'll go to Hollywood offices, and we'll meet with the producers of Hollywood, and we'll just make it happen. All right, I got a, I got a Tarantino movie pitch for you, all right, right? hit me. All right, so the movie is a, is, a, is, a, is a two-hander vehicle for Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Which, uh, have we, you seen True Detective? No. Season one? Are they, in it, are they in it together? Dude, if you haven't seen it, you need to. we almost need to stop recording right now, and you need to go watch the entire season one of oh, True Detective. So they're, they're in that season whole, together? Whole, yes. Holy oh, cow, dude. Okay. It's some of the best television I've ever seen. So, so someone has beaten me to that pairing. <laughs> someone has beaten you to that pairing. But here's the thing. They're also really good friends, so I doubt they'd turn down an opportunity to be in a movie together. Mm-hmm. So pitch me the, mo- pitch me the idea, because I want to hear All right. So the idea is very simple. Uh, they... Um, they are two guys who uh, have, yeah, two brothers. They have uh, inherited this casino mm-hmm. in the desert somewhere, and Great. like, <laughs> a I'm already gang, in. <laughs> and a gang of of people try to come and rob the casino, mm-hmm. and they are like, "This is the last thing our dying father gave us. You cannot have this casino." <laughs> okay, and it's and it's essentially like. It's a heist movie, but from from the perspective of the people trying to fight off the heist people, you know, so what a mean? little bit Home Alone, but like more violent and in a casino. Yeah. imagine imagine in. uh, imagine Ocean's Eleven, but you're rooting for the casino. You're rooting for Andy Garcia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? That's fine because Danny Ocean's kind of a dick, so I don't have a problem with rooting for. Okay, get over it. He's dating your ex-wife. You left to go to jail, Danny. Yeah, you did because you got caught. Yeah. You're a criminal. <laughs> Don't be mad. Yeah. Um I'm imagining it with like kind of like, you know, a Tarantino tone, but kind of like um if like Tarantino directed Logan Lucky. You know what I mean? Like that type of oh, okay. vibe. Okay. Yeah, that'd be fun. Like, you know what I mean? But like every it's time in the someone desert. gets shot, like there's just a giant gout of blood that like comes out, you know. Their yes. chest fully opens up with a shotgun even though you're from a ways away. Yeah, that good stuff. The J- yeah. the end scene in Django is what I'm thinking yes. of. Yes. And and the first thirty minutes of the movie can be like them inheriting this like rundown casino and them turning it into a really profitable casino. Yeah. So you get to spend time with them, like seeing how much love they put into totally. this. 
and putting then up the, the last... new paint, putting in the new <laughs> yeah. booths, getting the new chairs, hiring new staff, finding out yeah. who doesn't work, you know, finding people that are skimming, be like, you got to go, like really taking care of this casino that was their father's dying thing, and then someone comes to take it. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, absolutely not. Just look at them and just go, hmm, no. Yeah. And I maybe one of them's kind of insane, so he's been waiting for something like this his whole life. I mean, you don't really need to worry about it. It's Woody Harrelson. He is insane. <laughs> he's definitely the insane one. Yeah, he's the insane one. He's the wild card. He always is the wild card. You don't yeah. you aren't gonna get wild card from Matthew McConaughey. He's too stable. Yeah. He's too sure of himself. Exactly. He's just happy to be there. Yeah, exactly. Where where? He doesn't care. He's just happy to be there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, all right, well, let's get into today's uh, topic. Speaking of um, real movies and good yeah. superhero movies. We both watched uh, the Suicide Squad, the 2021 Suicide Squad. and uh, So if you watched off, the David Ayer one, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we're very sorry, but you need yeah. to pause the podcast, go rewatch the new James Gunn one, and then come back. Also, I'm just going to say it up top just so we don't uh -huh. have to worry about it. If you guys are listening and you haven't seen the new Suicide Squad movie, I don't want to worry about spoilers. So please yeah. just go watch it and then come back. Pause it. Go Pause the podcast. Go watch it and then come back. Because at this point, we're just going to... From here on out, everything's a spoiler. So <laughs> Totally. Um, before we dive into the, the one we just watched, give me your thoughts real quick on the first one. What was your reaction to it? How would you grade it on a scale of one to five? You know, five being the sure. best. I went into it. I went into it wanting to like it a lot. Yeah. Um, the Jared Leto Joker design was always problematic. I didn't mind it personally. I mm -hmm. I don't mind seeing different versions of the Joker. Kind of like it's like you just gotta wrap your head around it. That it's like it's like James Bond, right? Everybody's gonna have mm -hmm. their own twist to it. Batman, you know, mm -hmm. like any role where multiple actors over time have played this different character, you're going to have a different take on the character every single time, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. I liked the meth-pushing, psycho-knife, yeah. <laughs> knife-love-making psychopath that was Jared Leto's Joker. Mm -hmm. I think that his... Oh, I'm sorry. If you hear jingling in the background, Charlie's got a toy, and she's decided that now it's playtime. Um, Dang, I thought it was Santa Claus. <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> yeah. Christmas came early this year. Christmas came early, man. Ho, ho, ho. I was going to try and figure out what he could give me, but I don't yeah. know. I'm an adult white male in my late 30s. Like, I don't know anymore. Probably um, an IPA. Another smoker? I, I don't know. Um, yeah. A Traeger grill. Yeah. <laughs> Already got one. Yeah. Again, I am a white late 30s male who lives in the suburbs. I'm just leaning in hard. Yeah. I got a big TV. I got a Traeger grill for the game. Not really, but yeah. for the movies I like to watch. Um, anyway. Uh, okay, so David Ayer's Suicide Squad, I went in wanting to like it so much, so bad. Um, mm -hmm. Jared Leto's Joker, as a lot of people thought was problematic, I thought it was fine. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, granted, we didn't get to see enough of him for right. it to really be good. I mm -hmm. feel like there's a whole extra movie that was left on the cutting room floor that, yep. if, of that movie that I just go... <clears throat> and we've talked about this before, but my personal... This is where... I get little stuff. My personal version of heaven would be a private movie theater where like you and all my other movie friends, we all sit down and we go, what do we want to watch today? And we can watch any iteration mm -hmm. with any rotating casting of any movie that's ever been made or not made. Like the first one I would mm -hmm. do is I'd sit down and I'm like, show me Tim Burton's Superman movie with Nicolas Cage as Superman. 
Like, I want to mm-hmm. see in a perfect world what that would have ended up like, you know? Yeah. So my, my deal is, and I think at some point I would be like, show me the successful version of David Ayer's Suicide Squad. Yeah. That's the one I want to see. The one he got to make, the one where the studios interfered just the right amount, and everybody had a good time and executed well. And it didn't turn into a career killer for a bunch of people. Um, right. But having said that, the problem is, is that it started out great. And then it ended terribly. And then somewhere, like, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but like halfway through Act Two, it just goes, oh, the movie that you thought you were going to watch, we're not doing that. And we're going to go completely in this opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So I think out of five stars, because towards the end, I ended up starting to think, like, what am I watching right now? Like, what is this movie? Who is this for? So for me, I think out of five, I'd give it maybe two and a half, three. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely nowhere close to being anywhere on a three and a half or above. Like it, right? You know, it just didn't do it for me. I wanted yeah. it to. It looked good, but then you mm-hmm. get to the nameless, faceless, like cannon fodder, and it wasn't done well. Which it was done well in the new one. Oh man, was it? But yeah. it just—that's it, I think what made me like this new one so much is I was thinking in terms of the old one while I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh, this is all of the successes." He'd learned from all of the successes right. and brought along none of the detractions from the last movie. Right. So, yeah, I uh, yeah, I, I think two and a half, three stars would be would be my vote for the first one. How about you? Yeah, I would I would probably give it less than that. Um, wow, we're usually opposite. You're usually yeah. <laughs> way more generous than I am. I'm withholding to. I would probably give it two stars, um, and two stars that I give it. Okay. One star goes to Jared Leto's Joker because <laughs> I think that that Joker design is actually good. I don't like yeah. the idea of the the one thing about that design I don't like is the damaged tattoo on the forehead. I don't the think the damaged tattoo would do that. and the smiley face <laughs> mouth on the hand where he can like put it up in front of his face and like you're always smiling. It's like okay, that's that's a little Richard Chasey right there. But <laughs> even that one, I didn't have a huge problem with that one. But the damaged one is uh, it was that one for me was a little too cute. <laughs> I, I agree, and it's yeah. precious. And I feel yeah. like it was one of those if they just hadn't done that. Yeah, because a lot of the reports that I saw online, people were like, "Oh, I mean, it's fine, except for the damage tattoo. If you just get rid yeah. of that, mm-hmm. they just went one to tattoo too far." Yeah, because um, I like the idea that, like, you know, I can imagine a Joker. There's like a time period where the Joker was like, "I'm just gonna be a drug dealer and a crime boss because that's the way I'm gonna make money right now." Mm-hmm. Like, I just like that kind of element to it, and I think it, it that aesthetic of that Joker kind of fit with what he was trying to do, David yeah. Ayer. Um, and the other star goes to just sort of the visual style of the movie. Like, mm-hmm. I think the movie looks really good. It does look um, great. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, but that being said, I think, I think what the problem, the, the biggest problem in the movie to me is that it's shot and, and David Ayer is a filmmaker, you know, he's made the movie End of Watch, like he's, mm-hmm. uh, he made he the movie some- Fury. He's got some great stuff under his belt. Yeah, and he's very good at making movies that feel grounded and sort mm-hmm. of realistic and stuff like that. And I think this movie needed more of that because mm-hmm. I think I think the aesthetic of the movie is very grounded except for the the actual conflict in the plot. It becomes very sort of like cartoony. V- cartoony and video gamey mm-hmm. in, in in a bad way. Final it, bossy it, in a like early <laughs> NES <yeah>. game. <laughs> 
Yeah. Where it's like, it's like this giant worm that just rises up out of the ground. It's like, and go. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that like the they're fighting in a city that's been like um, evacuated and stuff like that just makes it all feel very sound stagey and very like mm-hmm. there's no stakes to any of this. Yeah. It's just a bunch of people fighting a CG monster and it doesn't really matter what's going to happen. Totally. I got to the end, too, and it was like the movie was trying to tell me some of these people might die. And I was like, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah, it was just unsuccessful in, in so many ways, uh, especially in the second half of the movie. Um, but, you know, uh, I think there is probably a better version of this movie out there somewhere. Um, Agreed. And maybe maybe we'll see it one day. But I'd that, like to, if they yeah. want to make it again. I'm not saying that every director, because this will set a... Um, a weird precedent where it's like, well, my movie didn't succeed. It's like the, um, now granted, this is just light education on the topic. I'm not saying that I'm an expert in it, but it's like the uh-huh. Scarlett Johansson, my movie didn't make a ton of money, so I'm going to sue you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like the, uh, it's like, well, that's just happened. We're in the middle of COVID and, mm-hmm. you know, there's streaming services now. Like nobody's, everybody got good TVs during the pandemic. So like, what do you want? I have the same sort of thing with, um, I don't want to. It's a sets a precedent, slippery slope with Zack Snyder getting to do a director's cut for Justice League. Right. I don't want it to be that thing where every director's like, "Well, I didn't. My vision wasn't realized, so I get to do a redo." And it's like, mm, "Nope, you shot, you shot." <laughs> yeah, um, I think. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen because I think Zack Snyder is a sp- is a special case. Well, when your daughter commits suicide in the middle of filming and you have to go right. deal with that, I go. I personally go. Maybe you should have just put production on hold. Until yeah. he was like ready to come back and finish it, or just realized that it might be a half finished movie that you could release online and be like, "This is what we were gonna do." Yeah, that and <clears throat> Zack Snyder between Man of Steel and Watchmen has made Warner Brothers, you know, probably a billion oh. dollars at this point. So, oh. <laughs> like, sure, you can do that. You can take a break, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 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 dude, the amount of money just in merchandise alone <laughs> yeah. that Zack Snyder has made Warner Brothers is astronomical. Yeah. So there, yeah, there he 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 gets a he gets a pass. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, let's get into Suicide Squad. Excuse me, the Suicide Squad, twenty twenty one, directed by James Gunn. Yes. So, what was your <laughs> overall reaction to the movie? I guess you can give it a, a scale of one to five. Uh, what'd you think? Oh, I gave it a five. Nice. Twenty okay. minutes into the movie, I was like, "This is a five star film." <laughs> yeah. Like this is a five star yeah. film, and even if it starts to suck, it's the first twenty minutes were so good. I was like, I don't even mm-hmm. need to watch the rest of the movie. This is fantastic. I'm so happy I'm watching this. It might be. I have to watch it a couple more times, but it might be the yeah. best superhero movie I've ever seen. Wow, that's a high bar. It is a very high bar because, <laughs> as you know, I watch a lot of superhero movies. Yeah. What What do you think made it made it <clears throat> so great? The attention to detail. The okay. careful crafting, it was almost like you could, t- the attention to detail and the careful crafting of the storyline and the direction that the actors were taken and the story that wanted to be told. It was clear that James Gunn really cared about making this movie and this, and that everybody from top to bottom really cared about telling this story and really cared about yeah. really communicating sort of the hum- human side of these characters which you don't normally see with a group of villains that are basically just murder machines, um, chaos, chaos, murder machines. Um, and yeah, it like, it made you feel for every, like, hell, I even felt for the big bad. Like there was that line at the end where I was just like, Oh my God, 
<laughs> yeah. It felt inspired in a way that the first Suicide Squad didn't. It felt you know inspired I mean? in a way that a lot of superhero movies don't. Like right. Marvel, MCU's getting cookie cutter. They're doing it because yes. they can and they're doing it because they have to. There's, It's starting to get to the point where the post-Endgame stuff that I'm seeing, I'm not seeing a hell of a lot of love in their products. Uh-huh. I'm seeing kind of rote, just going through the motions kind of stuff, especially mm-hmm. with the TV shows that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot there's a lot more they could have done, and they just chose not to. And I'm kind of like, you're just phoning it in at this point. And mm-hmm. it's because, I don't know why, but they're just they're in, a, they're in a section where they're just kind of phoning in, and I don't appreciate it. This was the first one since I've seen, first superhero movie I've seen since Endgame that I was like, this was made by a group of people that wanted to tell this story, that thought that this story was worth telling, and put yep. everything they had into it. Totally. And because of that, it comes through on, it comes through on the screen. And yeah. it's a lot of love, and it's it oscillates between deep emotional connection and just almost pee your pants laughter moments. <laughs> yeah, punctuated with just the most some of the most hilarious violence I've ever seen yeah. on screen. Like yeah. the fact that the violence was used to augment the humor was mm-hmm. like masterstroke. Like everything you mm-hmm. could teach, you could teach an entire. I feel, and this is maybe me just going over over it is but just because I'm gushing because I like James Gunn's style but like I Mm -hmm. honestly think because he knows how to do his basics and he knows how to break the basic rules you could use this film in a way to teach film school to people totally and how to craft a good movie whether it be set in a science a a real world grounded scenario or a sci-fi setting like a superhero movie or Mm -hmm. you know whatever but it's like it's it was extremely well done to the point that I was I was impressed from the frame first frame all the way through yeah I agree. I think the things that made this movie the most successful to me, uh, I've seen it twice now. I watched it a couple days ago, and then I watched mm-hmm. it again last night. Is uh, and, and the second time, it really cemented this for me. The two things that I think are the most successful about this movie are the pacing mm-hmm. and the tone. Oh, yes. Um, uh, the pacing of this movie with the amount of sort of... Um, so it's crazy because it's a, it's a two hour and twelve minute movie, so it's not a short movie. No, um, but you it, they managed to pack a lot of exposition, a lot of character moments and character background moments in a way that the movie never feels like it slows down. Like it never feels like all right, here's the boring middle stuff. You know what I mean? No, like it's, it starts <laughs> with momentum. And yeah. even in the slow moments, still only gains momentum as you go through the film. That was something that I was, which if you're going to deal with a giant starfish taking over a city as the big bad at the end, I'm like, that's the way to do it. If you have a kaiju, you have to constantly be building momentum, which Kong versus Godzilla did not. Um, right. It had a lot of lag points, but I'm like, if you're dealing with big kind of stuff like that, you constantly need to be gaining momentum so that the characters themselves almost seem as big as the villain in the end. Yeah. And I think this, the, the decision to put certain sequences out uh, uh, non-linearly, I think, w- like, is a real big um, component of the pace mm-hmm. because it, 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 it is prioritizing sort of dramatic beats when the movie feels like and then it will circle back to more expository beats after as like a way to release some of the tension from what we just yeah. saw and it's it's brilliant the way he put it together it's, like the, his fantastic. directing hand was crazy in this movie dude um, it was and it, shout out to the editor whoever edited it absolutely that's what i was going <laughs> to yeah. say james gunn's writing and directing and the editing i'm yeah. like they need to just team up 
all the time. Like you could really <laughs> tell that this was James Gunn fully off the leash, not having to follow any sort of family friendly guidelines, which I'm just so ready for Marvel to start releasing stuff on 20th Century Fox so we can get adult superhero movies. Because this mm-hmm. shows this truthfully, and I'm just gonna it's one of those where people go, oh, superhero movies are boring. I'm like, then watch the adult-oriented ones. They're so yeah. much better. That's because comics were all, it's, it's a, it, they're just adult stories. Stop making family-friendly, I mean, make family-friendly kids movies. Don't, I'm not going to draw that line in the sand, but like, just, we need more, you can do more with adult-oriented, rated R, and I'm not saying that they have to all be rated R, but yeah. just adult-focused superhero films. You can I'd put love more... to see a, uh, a James Gunn directed Deadpool. <laughs> now that we have Deadpool, damn you for putting that in my brain. <laughs> yeah. You, now you that it doesn't that. exist and probably won't, I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. I'm mad at you. I'm yeah. mad at James Gunn. He had nothing to do with this conversation. And I'm still mad at him. Yeah, I'm mad at I'm mad at Disney. Ryan Reynolds. I'm mad at Ryan Reynolds. I'm mad at Blake Lively. She shouldn't even be in this. But I'm mad yeah. at her. I'm mad at everybody now. Damn you, yeah. son. It's like what I want to see now. Yeah. Uh, Look, I, Tony yeah. Stark is dead. The only other hero that I have that's a player in the game <laughs> is Wade Wilson. So yeah. it's like, give that to me, please. Yeah. I yeah. So the other God, side of that coin, perfect. yeah, was James Gunn's management of tone. I think mm-hmm. this movie does such a good job of. It is a movie that is deals with these characters who are very dark characters. Uh, it's a very violent movie, uh, but it also is a very funny movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obviously rated R, but never feels, in my opinion, it never feels gratuitous. Yeah, I was just gonna say um, that too. That's the same word that popped into my head as well. Yeah, it all feels like earned and necessary to kind of paint the picture overall. And it's like it, it it's the tone is managed so well that it almost feels like yeah, you uh, kids could watch this and then, <laughs> but that's yes. just, just because you've been lulled into such an enjoyable tone that you're like this is fine for kids and then you into step the back emotional and you're like no, hook. it's not. <laughs> and then you watch Peacemaker and Bloodsport yeah. go through that insurgent village just yeah. like silent murder machines just killing yeah. everyone and you're like oh yeah this isn't for kids but it's yeah. actually interesting you bring that up because yeah. by and large actually if you want to count body count mm-hmm. pound for pound PG-13 movies are way more violent yeah. than rated R movies because they mm-hmm. can't show blood so because of that they can up the body count and it doesn't matter whereas right. in the rated R movie has to take all of that into account so they're a little bit more precious with their kills which is where to keep that R rating so it's it's act- I find rated R movie action movies and stuff like that to be a little bit more well thought out as opposed to just the chaos that we see in like Man vs. Steel where they're just flying through buildings and thousands hundreds of thousands of people are dying but whatever they're CGI people so it doesn't matter yeah but um, <laughs> uh, to but that yeah. point, one more broad stroke thing, and then we can kind of get into like sort of the details of the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is also a master class in establishing stakes. Yes. Um, James Gunn essentially proved that you can do anything and you can get as crazy as you want, as comic mm-hmm. booky as you want, if there are real stakes involved. Yep. Um, and if you and earn the, them. Yes. This and is another master class in how to earn your payoffs in your writing. Right. Because. With with the R rating and utilizing that platform, one thing that he he did is like, and this is where the Suicide Squad, the first one, got it very wrong, is the city is not abandoned. Like Mm-mm. the city, there's 
still everyone is there like he just dropped a giant starfish into a city and it's everywhere it goes it's stepping oh, on sorry, people can you use his formal name starro the conqueror es- excuse me starro the conqueror it's meant to be derisive <laughs> that was a great a great line yes. um uh but like he's stepping on people he's destroying buildings like ev- there you're seeing all the collateral damage which when you see the design of Starro, it should be the goofiest thing you've ever seen. Oh, but you because should start laughing are, immediately. <laughs> yeah, but because there are real stakes involved, and, and they're not just real to us, but they're real to the characters, I think that um, it, it really just grounds the movie in what should otherwise be, you know, la- you know a laugh fest. It, it, is, yeah. it, it feels very real and feels like everything matters, you know? Yeah, it's weird that you get, you get these big laugh strokes, right, and yeah. all this stuff, but then at the end, you... Um, you know, when it finally, when Starro comes crashing out of Jotunheim and it's this giant starfish that's releasing things out of its armpits to take over people's faces, it's like you're yeah. not laughing. You're like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And everything everybody does in the, in the movie has consequences. That, yeah. and, and, and they may not, and some of them are played for jokes. Some of them are just kind of made, played for gross out moments, but they all build together to create a universe that has stakes and that matters, you know? Yes. Yeah, I think that was good. Ugh. All right, so let's let's get into some of the the plot stuff, and we can talk about characters we liked and all of that. Um, I guess we can start with the opening because of, of why not? You have um, to. Michael Rooker <laughs> sitting in yeah. a sitting in a cell, in a yard yeah. time with his ball. I was like, oh, I like this opening. Yeah. I was even. I will say this. Uh huh. He even uses camera movements that have been proven to be cliche. Uh-huh. And breathe new life into them. Mm-hmm. Like when the camera transitions from the puddle and you realize it's in a puddle and it rotates out. And I was like, oh, I've seen that a thousand times, but why does this look good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He dude, he has the he has a very slick he uh, has the visual touch, style. man. Yeah, he's he's great. Not everybody does. James Gunn has the touch, specifically for superhero movies. Like he knows yeah. what to do. God, I want him to direct an direct an X-Men movie. Yep. That would be he would yeah he that would, that nail would be it. amazing that would be amazing he would yeah. slay an X Men movie yeah holy cow or X Force I mean I guess X Force could basically just be the Suicide Squad but yeah whatever <laughs> he just I want to see him direct an X Men movie now could he yeah. just direct all the movies now is that <laughs> yeah, what we're exactly. talking about oh yeah just, dude his his rate is going way up after oh, this <laughs> yes Daddy's about yeah. to make some money yeah you gonna uh, he gonna get paid <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah I thought that was great like e- like I was saying even the the traditional like cheesy camera movements still somehow seem good and new mm-hmm. and fresh and you go wow i've seen a dutch camera angle a million times before i was you know went to film school but like how does this one or why does this one feel different and that's what the lens i'm gonna look, watch watch it again through is mm-hmm. he's doing all this stuff we've seen a million times before but why does it feel different new clean and fresh this time yeah that's true um but anyway, the opening so- Michael yeah, Rooker, no, the, oh, yeah, Savant. The, yeah, so Savant gets recruited, and they, he joins this um, this X Force team, uh, or Task Force X, excuse me. And so they they're sent on this mission, and they get to the beach, and they are all killed, uh, basically immediately. Uh, the thing about this opening that I thought was really good and really kind of set the tone for the rest of the movie, and upon rewatching, is even more mm-hmm. satisfying, is that. 
when you first watch it, you're like, man, we're not getting a real good setup for any of these characters. It's kind of just like they have names and outfits, but they're not really. We don't know anything about them. And I think, of course, we do. We know that Flula Borg is the javelin, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that American girls don't have accents. Yeah, <laughs> and that uh, <laughs> Pete Davidson as Blackguard is still an idiot because he thinks it's a dog. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Um, that was good banter yeah. back and forth. Nathan Fillion telling, showing. Pete Davidson had to put on a seatbelt was one of the moments where I just like, I hope they improv that because it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, that's um, what I'm talking about. Gunn has these, he finds these little moments just to, in his humor, to bring humanity to these characters in a way that you're just like, that, wow. Like, th- who hasn't argued with somebody over how to put on an airport, like an airplane seatbelt before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that kind of petty stuff, you know? Totally. Um, so, yeah, and they're all killed, and I think that was more... It sets the tone of, like, we're not just going to... This is not going to be just another run-of-the-mill run superhero movie where there's a bunch of, like, people in costumes doing things. Like, the characters we actually are going to tell the story about, we're going to, like, really ingratiate you with these characters and you're going to grow to like love them and feel yes. for them so let, let's we're going to show you the movie we're not going to be and we're going to kill all these guys <laughs> dude and that was a master stroke yeah like totally. i was laughing so hard that my abs hurt for the rest of the movie like yeah just watching them get mowed apart like nathan fillion's the detachable kid like yeah what in the world is happening and I love that there was nothing to his power. Like, nope. it was just, yeah, he could remotely control his arms, but that, that doesn't mean he can do anything. Yeah, they're just <laughs> shooting his arms, and he's on the ground. They're, his arms are, like, waving in the air, and he's on the ground screaming while he's just ble- It's like, oh, you can still kill him. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think there was – I loved the opening scene. I think there was a missed opportunity, I think, and it may have just been a thing that they just didn't have enough time to do. But I kind of wish they would have done a little bit more to establish the – the like the at least the first group. I wish they would have done a little bit more to establish why they're such bad people and like what they have done to end up in prison. Like the first movie. Yes. Where they introduce him, they're like, Captain Boomerang. He robs a bunch of banks and killed a bunch of people with his boomerangs. And you're like, oh, right. good, God, he's a villain. Cool. Like, yeah, we get a little bit of, like, we get a little bit of Savant. We show, you know, it shows he's willing to just kill an innocent bird. Mm-hmm. But, like, I kind of wish, because I think showing that the people who are in this prison, for the most part, are truly detestable people would have gone a long way to really strengthen some of the character arcs that we see later. Right. Um, Why are they villains? Why are they in jail? Like, right. I just, I, at this point, you know, back in the early 00s when you could, when superhero movies were first started getting traction, um, you could just go push a guy out and be like, bad guy. And people are like, great. And then the hero yeah. would punch <laughs> him in the face and be like, great. And like, do you want to know why he's yeah. a bad guy? Like, no, you told us he's a bad guy. We don't need to know. Yeah. Like, Magneto was the first one <laughs> That people were like, oh, that's why he's a villain. Yep. Okay, I get it now, because Nazis. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to know why the detachable kid is in prison. <laughs> I want to know why the detachable kid calls himself TDK and doesn't want to be known as the detachable kid. When you find out he's the detachable kid, he gets really upset by that. That's what exactly. I want to know. I saw a tweet exactly. recently that said, forgets, and I may have sent it to you, but it said, uh, forget celebrity gossip. I want small-time gossip. I want to know why the night shift at Kohl's is man- mad at each other. And I'm like, yeah, those are the details that I like to know. <laughs> yeah, like, why exactly. does he hate being called the detachable kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of that stuff would have been, would have been, I think, 
and I'm sure it was just a thing where they didn't really have time because oh, yeah. the movie's Plus, already pushing two and a half hours. Yeah, but I also think it's a little bit more impactful if you don't know these characters and you're like getting because mm-hmm. you get you're starting to get into the mode to be like, all right, he's going to introduce who these guys are like through their powers and their abilities. So after this mm-hmm. whole army of dudes is dead, then we'll get to know him. And then Pete Davidson's face explodes and everybody starts falling to pieces. And I was like, oh. We just don't care about any of this. And then it jump cuts across to the other island and they get out of the water and you see the title come up. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really great. Um, Even though I like, you know, we kind of knew that a lot of these guys were going to die. Oh, they said it from the beginning. Don't get don't get attached, which is like cool. Yeah. The way they pulled it off brought so much energy to the movie. And like, I didn't think they do it so quickly. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was really taken by surprise. <laughs> I would, yeah, and my surprise exhibited in massive laughter. And and it, it is so it's so uh, well written because if you think about it, like what was the plan? Like there wasn't. <laughs> like exactly. Asan, I have been thinking about that first tactical insertion with the first Suicide Squad for a couple of days now, and as far as I can discern, there was no plan. It was land on the beach. We know they're going to be there with all of the guns. You're yeah. basically just there as a diver- a decoy. Their deaths will make them think that they killed you, and then they'll go back to it, lull themselves into a false sense of security. Yeah, an and then actual our- suicide yeah, squad. Yeah, and then the real team will yeah. come up. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I like that in this movie you show uh, that shows how much of a monster Amanda Waller is. Mm-hmm. Threatening blood sports totally. kid, and I like totally. that they had that there were people in the room with her that were like, "What is your problem?" Yeah. <laughs> Steve Agee did yeah. a great job with his couple of lines. I love seeing him in movies. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of, uh, like, all those scenes kind of reminded me of um, Cabin in the Woods a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, when you see the corporate headquarters there. Yep. Um, yeah. I thought that was cool. I thought it was cool that not everybody that worked there was cartoonishly evil. <laughs> yes. Um, although that could have been a fun direction to go as well. That would have been very fun. Just an off- a governmental office full of, like, human <laughs> monsters that are even worse yeah. than the people they imprison. Yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, so the opening was great, um, and then we are introduced to the real Suicide Squad. Um, did you like all of the 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 members and the the actors portraying them? I did. I liked it all. Um, there wasn't a single person that I felt was miscast in this. Okay. Um, Who yeah. do you think was the standout? The standout performance. Hard to say because I think every character like had a really likable quality to them right. and like had a moment to shine. Right. But who do you think um, was the standout character? Oh, for I think you? honestly, the actor that I think brought it the most in this movie was John Cena. Mm-hmm. I think he brought the most. Idris Elba, mm-hmm. we know he can act. He's not doing anything outside of his mm-hmm. that's stretching him. And I don't mean that as a negative or a detraction. I just yeah. mean that we've seen a ton of Idris Elba being badass. It's just Idris Elba on a normal like Wednesday. He's just <laughs> a, a yeah, just a badass dude. <laughs> yeah, like the you know what I mean. Like he's just one of those yeah, guys totally. that walks into a place and you're like, I'm not gonna mess with you because you would kill me. Yeah. But, like, he's not doing anything outside of his acting. Margot Robbie's just for playing Carly Quinn, which, again, mm-hmm. great job. None of this stuff I'm saying is a detraction. Joel Kinnaman right. is, as Flag, it's all good. John Cena was the only one that did something different than, than to what he's done before and mm-hmm. did it so well that I understand now why he's walking around in method costume pretending he's the peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is also hilarious. And I know it's meant as a joke, but it's, yeah, it was interesting. He did a fantastic job. 
Yeah, I'm trying to look up the name of the actress. Uh, oh, who did the? Uh, is her name Rasputin? Uh, who played uh, Ratcatcher Two? Yeah, Ratcatcher Two. I'm sorry. I'm trying to see who played her. Taika Waititi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, Daniela Melchior. She was great too. She was going to be my second to favorite. Me, yeah, to me, she kind of uh, is. To me, she's the standout because I didn't expect her to necessarily be the emotional core of the movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect from that character at all. Oh yeah. But she sort of is doing like a. She's kind of being the Wonder Woman of the group, or like the Captain America. If this is the Avengers, where like she's sort of the. She's the only one there who's not a terrible person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, like she she is the emotional center of the movie. She's extremely earnest and also naive. Uh, like she doesn't understand like that there are people who have bad intentions. Like she sees the best in everyone. Mm-hmm. And she plays it so in, in a role that could be very kind of rote and very kind of just like, okay, we get it. She She plays it very earnestly and very honestly, and it feels very real. And I think she, without her, without her character in this movie, I don't think this movie works. Because it, it's I just agree. the expendables with really, really, you know, with, with really, really good actors in it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think she kind of really brings the movie together. I really, especially upon second watching, like she's doing a lot of the emotional sort of heavy lifting throughout the movie. And she does a great job. She does. Um, those are yeah, uh, John Cena and her. Those are my two. Those are my yeah. two favorites. And John Cena was great. He, uh, <laughs> I can I can understand great. why they greenlit a Peacemaker TV series for HBO yeah. before the movie even came out. I'm like, oh, that was a smart move. John Cena gives my favorite line in this whole movie when uh, they're talking about uh, you know if he had to eat a bag of dicks uh, on the beach yep. or whatever he would and she's like why would someone put a bunch of penises on the beach and he says who knows why madmen do what they do <laughs> yeah who knows why madmen do what they do <laughs> that is the, that is such a great joke and just so one of the best many, lines of the movie the first time Bloodsport <laughs> and Peacemaker meet each other yeah. which now I have a new favorite suit in um, that I want from DC stuff I want Bloodsport stuff like oh, that was that, that is such a good because from what I understand in the comic books Bloodsport like pulls weapons from other dimensions uh, that's like his power. I set. haven't even looked into it. I just saw a yeah. modular suit that you can create different guns with, and like crossbow yeah. <laughs> and slingshot. And I'm like, yes, I'm here for that. So, so that is something I believe that they created for the movie because in the in the comic books, apparently, he can pull weapons from other dimensions. So it seems like he pulls them from out of nowhere, uh, and they didn't it. want to do that because they kind of oh, already was, had sorry, other was dimensional that, stuff going. Was on. that too much? <laughs> I think it was a little too much. <laughs> So they did it where like he he has weapons all over his suit and they're modular and all that and I, which I thought was very cool and also allows you to have him run out of stuff eventually, mm-hmm. which I think is important plot wise. Well, of course, um, you have to do it where he's up against it and he's just like, "Well, that's all yeah. my bullets." And I like how they they don't at, they don't hold your hand through this movie at no. all. Like which I thought was really cool. Like they never really explain that that's what's going on with his suit. You just kind of have to figure that out yeah <laughs> you know what I mean? oh yeah and i think that's great man i yeah. yeah i'm like that's perfect you need that yeah anyway a blood sport was awesome um but yeah the back and forth of blood sport and peacemaker meet each other when he's like this guy he's the exact same skill set as me he's like yeah but i do it better it's like yeah. that immediately like just american like swagger like yeah. big bde like bs yeah. kind of stuff or just yeah. like all right tone it down dude i love the smaller thing and how they pay that off at the end i thought was great oh yeah um 
Yeah, like I, I thought they those two guys were very, very good. Very yeah, that end together. line was tinier bullets. Just like, yeah. oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so um, they're hanging out and whatnot. Um, I thought Sebastian was really cool, the, the rat. The rat Sebastian rat. the rat was great. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like the really fact, like, I like early on, you're like, Bloodsport's going to become friends with Sebastian. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to be a thing where Sebastian's in trouble and Bloodsport just comes out and just starts mowing people down. And he's like, no one fucks with my friends. Like, <laughs> yep. Man, this movie is just, I mean, it makes screenwriting look easy. It's just, it does. you know, set, set ups and payoffs. Dude, That's all you need. This is one of those movies that people have, you're going to get the wrong impression for how hard it is to actually make a film. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work, but it's like people are going to watch this and be like, I want to make movies now. I'm like, you're going to be crying. Yeah. In the first like the first time you have to do eighteen hour eighteen hour back to back overnights, like you're gonna cry. Yeah. <laughs> what did you what did you, what did you think of uh King Shark? Nanawe. King Shark was great. I was like, Oh, that fulfills the Hulk role very well. Um yeah. <laughs> I liked that when they were like Sylvester Stallone is the voice. I was like, Okay, but they didn't overdo it. I thought it was good. Nanawe was a great character to kind of add some some really emotional oh oh, what was that part where he's where they're in the jungle, and he's like, I have no friends. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> I I will say, unashamedly, this movie made me cry more than I was prepared for. Oh, 100%. Dude, I was weeping. Yeah. There were some really great emotional moments in the movie. Like, to see, like, honestly, like, and we, we're jumping forward a little bit, but the, the final sequence, the, uh, the way that they overcome Starro by sort of all finding their purpose some mm-hmm. some more metaphorically and some actually like finding their purpose mm-hmm. like when Harley Quinn discovers what she is using the the javelin Why for she's been carrying the javelin the entire <laughs> yeah. movie yeah yeah and then just uh rat catcher like using the rat the power of the lowly rats to like overcome Starro I thought was a really good moment and for her to have for that moment to provide sort of like um solace with the loss of her dad and stuff like that for her to have that moment like and it's Taika Watiti we love him oh yeah uh and ju- yeah it was just it, that moment the music swelling at that moment was just like and his line is so good and she's like why rats papa <laughs> and he's yeah. like you know he's like because they're the they're the lowliest among us and if they have purpose so so do we all or something like oh that. my god that I'm like, part, I'm like, come on, man. Dude, you know what I mean? <laughs> literally, I said the. Ex- I literally looked at my TV and I was like, "Come on, James Gunn," and it just started yeah. crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, and I think that is a beautiful sentiment because if you're gonna make a movie about a bunch of degenerates who, through one through the, their journey, discover something about themselves that is worth fighting for, would you say like, that they discover family? Yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna tell that story, like yeah, that is the line. That is it the is. line that you say. You know, if yeah. rats have purpose, then so do we all. Like that to me, it's like, come on, man. Um, yeah, and then uh, and it, it's just so it's so beautiful. And then when uh, Idris Elba has that moment with Sebastian, where he like is coming to terms with his child abuse and all that kind of stuff, it's just it's, come on, man, come on. Dude, what more do you so, want, dude? Exactly. <laughs> like it's so deep for a superhero movie, which is why I'm saying it might be the best one I've ever seen because it finds a way to link these characters emotionally to you. Like yep. it finds a way to personalize them to you and you know get them get them out there i don't know if i oh it was so good 
Yeah. Were there? Um, so let's talk a, b- a little bit about. Um, let's talk about the villains. Yep. Because um, there are several. Um, I would say, man, one of the main villains is Amanda Waller, but then we also get. Oh, she is. Yeah. They've said, we also get, she's been a villain in the comic books. Like they don't right. they don't mince bones about it. She's never pro- cast as a in a good light. I mean, somebody who puts bombs in superhero convicts' heads. <laughs> and forces them to go on missions, essentially. Like, no matter how much they have to manipulate or threaten you, like, they're not a good person. No. No. Um, what did you think of um, the, the, the heads of state of, uh, of Corto Maltese? Um, that would be... Uh, uh, who's the actor? Um, I'll find it here. Diego Luna, right? That's who no, plays? No, no that's not Diego, Diego Luna? No. Oh, his last name was Luna. His character's last name was Luna. That's oh, what I'm thinking it. that. Um... Silvio Luna. Here we go. Uh, Juan Diego Boto. Okay. Yeah. So we have him, and then we have um, his second-in-command guy who ends up taking over, um, who is a, an actor from Narcos Mexico that I really enjoy. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's great. And also um, Narcos Mexico is great. And if you haven't watched yes. it, you should. Michael Pena completely destroys it, and Diego Luna is his foil, and it's amazing. Yes. Um, some of the best TV writing that show, the Narcos series, has some of the best TV writing out there, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, plus, it's big. Yeah. plus it's a it's a real story that somebody went through, so that deserves to be seen because right. he did not have a good time. Um, and then we had Peter Capaldi as the thinker. I love Peter Capaldi. I think that mm-hmm. he he's the true villain in this show. I don't even think Starro technically counts as a villain. I think Starro no. is just responding to whatever it like the torture that it went through. Yeah, Starro is Frankenstein's monster. Exactly. And yeah. Peter Capaldi, the think and thinker, is Frankenstein. I don't even. Yes. I didn't even. The guys that were running the military coup didn't even strike it as villains to me. No. I was just like, oh, you're just there. You're just awful people doing awful things, and I'm glad Harley Quinn shot you in the face because you talked about killing <laughs> kids. Like, yeah, good. Because I was feeling a little like, where is this romantic thing coming out of? Like, this feels trite and not earned. And I was like, and that's weird for this movie because James Gunn really has set up some home run successes, and then she kills him. I was like, oh, that's why. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I, I, it seems like a one more comment about that oh, before no, we move from from that, from that section. I like so I had a upon second viewing I was able to be a little bit more detached and kind of take some notes and one thing that I really liked and enjoyed on the second time watching was Harley Quinn the sequence where they're going to go quote unquote rescue Harley Quinn and mm-hmm. she does not need to be rescued yes exactly <laughs> I thought was great because I think that I think that the villains like the the military guys um not being the actual villains i think there's a commentary happening there about the futility of like sort of the male sort of like power struggle thing Mm -hmm. because it the movie is never really about the the geopolitical power struggle or anything it's always about it's more so about how those things affect normal people right like we it, it weighs the collateral damage and the and the 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 negative externalities of the you know the sort of the geopolitical nonsense stuff way more than it does actually spending time with these bad guys and figuring out their plans and stuff right. like that which i think is a great um subversion of how these movies typically are made because normally it's all about the <laughs> we're well, in the boardrooms and the war rooms and we're fi- you know what i mean you mentioned something <laughs> earlier uh, yeah. movie franchise earlier that basically just does that. It's the Expendables. 
Right. We're going to Santo Motapatevatha, whatever island off of the coast of Africa or yeah. or South America where the cannon fodder lives, and we're yeah. gonna go help the pe- we're gonna help the people. But that's my Sylvester Stallone, not my Vin Diesel. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they do sound similar. Uh, but no, it's so it's you know it's that we're gonna go. It's it's all about the geopolitical because it's a commercial for America and why we should be yeah. in everybody's business, even though we shouldn't be, and we should probably leave other people alone to let them do their thing. But yeah, this isn't a political podcast, so I'm gonna stop talking about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like the fact that that wasn't the focus because the problem yeah. is that so many times that's like the linchpin for like what's going on. It's like that doesn't even matter. Right. The Suicide Squad's <laughs> not even here for that. At yeah. this point, they're uh-huh. here because there's a giant tower with something that that's something inside that the American government wants, and we need to know what's inside there. So the fact that there's a coup happening, who who cares? Like yeah. that's just that's just not even secondary on the right. on the list of to dos. Yeah, I thought that was really good, Me and it too, was yeah. perfectly summed up by Harley Quinn rescuing herself and not needing. Speaking to be of, in that moment, uh, a detail I noticed: Did you notice uh-huh. her shoulder tattoo changed? No. So her shoulder tattoo used to be used to say property of Joker and then oh. in this movie it says property of no one. Got it. Which I was like which was that fully on display when she was walking through that mansion just mowing dudes down with two M16s. Yeah. Did you uh what did you think of that sequence? Did you like that sequence? I love that sequence. I love uh-huh. the I love the animation stuff to it just to yeah. really bring you into her world and show you just right. how truly insane she is. <laughs> and the other part too is it really broke my heart because when they're interrogating her or trying to interrogate her, like mm-hmm. it shows just what if she can withstand that and still mm-hmm. be like, okay, like the damage that mm-hmm. was done to her psychologically and physically, like with the Joker to turn her from a psychologist that, you know, wants to help people into this weird psychopath. Yeah. I think she goes on a uh, she's one she's one character that I think goes on an interesting arc in the movie, mm-hmm. um, and I think the because on first watching I kind of didn't understand uh, or the, the the scene the the whole sequence where she and um, Silvio Luna when they they you know they fall in love and do that whole montage and stuff like that like I really right. it, it to me the first upon first watching it felt a little like frivolous like it felt like well, okay why are we seeing this is it just because uh, yeah. we need a Harley Quinn sequence but upon second viewing I was able to sit with it a little bit more and I think that's a necessary scene um, to show that like she has since she's been with the Joker since the last time we've seen Harley Quinn she's been on a journey of sort of self-discovery and um you know as much as a psychopathic clown woman can yes and and it shows that she is she now has like standards and now has a line that she doesn't think people should cross which I think is important for that character because before she's just kind of been an agent of chaos and now she realizes that there's more to life than just chaos which is a step for her purpose Exactly. Which is what this movie is trying to preach, that we all have purpose. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, So then we get... um, So Okay, so one thing about The Thinker that I think was a missed opportunity, and it's not... It doesn't ruin the movie at all. It's just kind of like, ah, they they could have done something there. We never really get to see uh, The Thinker's abilities at all. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice uh, that we never get to see, like, what he actually can do. Um, but that I mean it's neither here nor there, I guess, in the final product because the movie ultimately isn't really about him either. But um, right, I thought it would have been cool to see him do something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, 
yeah, I think it would have been really interesting to see more of... I'm looking up his powers now if you want to know. Yeah, please tell me. Technologically derived telekinesis and mind control. Mm. Telepathy. Fear projection. Which apparently he can just turn your brain into nightmare soup. Uh, <laughs> binary intelligence binary intelligence capable of integrating into and controlling computerized and electronic systems. So okay. he has he can move things with his mind, he can get inside your head and make you scared, and then he can also just take over computer systems. So, kind of interesting, but I understand why they wouldn't want to just highlight that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see him use those powers uh, like on Starro, like in flashbacks mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah. No, I totally. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was great. Peter Capaldi's always great. I haven't yeah, seen a single thing great. where I dislike him. Mm -hmm. Um a lot of people, when he was Doctor Who for a time, a lot of people were like, eh, he's too grumpy. I'm like, that's exactly what Doctor Who needs right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it was really good. The, the part that killed me was right when Starro died. And it oh, was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was happy floating amongst the stars. I was just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's um, like, so it turns that, out that the big bad in the movie isn't even so, doesn't even want to be doing this. It's just like, I'm just right. trying to get off this planet. Yeah, it's what King Kong would say if he could talk. Yeah, you know? like, exactly. I was or, perfectly fine on my island. Yeah, like, you guys dragged me here. I did <laughs> yeah. not want to, Like Godzilla, where it's like, I was fine yeah. sleeping in the ocean, and then y'all woke me up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was really tragic and, like, really just, like, kind of... You like you feel bad for him at that moment. It's like, yeah, Starro didn't want this. Well, because it leads this. up to this point where you're like, we have to kill the thing that's trying to conquer the planet that's going to lead to conquering the planet. We got to kill it, got to kill it, got to kill it. And then it, that line comes in, you're like, oh... Yeah, <laughs> all of this could have been avoided. Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel um, bad for shooting you now. Yeah. So what do you think about John Cena's, uh, like, kind of heel turn? Uh, where he ends up killing Rick Flagg. What, surprising. I didn't think Rick Flagg was going to die in this movie. Did not see that twist coming yeah. at all. I was like, oh, this will be fun to have Joel Kinnaman and Peacemaker and Bloodsport in the next... Oh, he's not going to be in the next one. Okay. All right. <laughs> and he's gone. <laughs> and we're dead. That was the thing, too, that the, the kills that I liked were very just efficient, which is yeah. how it would be if you had these actual... If these, if these characters were actual people, yeah. they would just be highly efficient at killing. Like, there wouldn't be this dragged out, like, oh, I missed, and now we're in a gunfight. It's just like, nope, you're dead. Yeah. Um... I liked the fight between Peacemaker and Flagged. I liked the heel turn. I liked the fact that he, Peacemaker was given a secondary thing by Waller, which I think was great to just cement her as the ultimate villain. Like one of the mm -hmm. it, the two villains in this movie are Waller and Thinker. Yes, that's it. Um, yeah, I thought it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, the fight was well choreographed. You could tell they actually spent some time like choreographing it right. out, and thinking through how to utilize the space best to. You know, to do that, which is always a big... I'm always giving that a thumbs up because I'm tired of the old man shaky close-up camera where it's like, I do martial arts. I'm like, you're in your 70s, so no. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that was great. I think Cena um, is very believable in sort of the... In his menace. Mm. Like, in his oh. menacing sort of... Even in that really goofy outfit, I was terrified yeah. <laughs> of his character. Yeah. I was like, mm-mm. Yeah. No, don't let that man have guns. No. No, please don't. Um, yeah, I thought that was great. Um, uh, and then what did you think of, I guess we can get into sort of the Real Starro. Real quick before we leave the topic oh, yeah, of ahead. Peacemaker. Um, I love when they woke up in the middle of the jungle and he was just in his tidy whities Oh, yeah. <laughs> that sequence was great, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fun. That was really um, good. 
Um, okay, what did you think of the sort of the third act of Starro escaping and it's Suicide Squad versus Starro and sort of the the destruction and all of that? I thought it's good. That's the standard superhero stuff we've we've come to know. Um, yeah, it was well done. I like the fact that it wasn't just like it wasn't just like. Uh, you know, there's the big thing. That's the target. Let's go kill the target. It was like, oh, but he's taking over all these other people, and we're gonna try and not kill him. But oh, we can't do it. Okay, then I guess yeah. we're just gonna have to do it. But yeah. there was a little bit of a reg- there was a little bit of a level of regret to it that I think was was well played. Instead of just like, yeah, let's murder these people. It was just like, I don't want to be doing this, but I'm also not gonna die. So we seem to be at an impasse. Yeah. I kind so one of my favorite characters in this movie um, that I would say is my number two favorite character is Polka Dot Man. I thought he was oh, great. Have we not even talked about? We have not talked about Asan. Polka Dot Man yet. How are we an hour and seventeen minutes into the <laughs> into the podcast and we haven't talked about Polka Dot Man? I don't know, uh, but he was great. Dastomation, um, yeah, had me looking at him the entire time and with the way that he was slowly brought on for first powers i was like what is happening with you yeah yeah um i love i love the way that they depicted the power set i love that they kind of drew it out a little bit like mm-hmm. we didn't get to see it for a while like he was i thought charging that was really up. cool yeah i i loved the i love the fact that he was uh sort of mentally unstable i like that oh. and he goes on a real arc too mm-hmm. um that i thought was really really cool um I love the idea of him, um, of him, you know, completing his arc of of becoming the superhero that like he wanted to be on his terms and right. not like on his mom's terms. I right. thought that was really cool. God, that mom superimposed over the starfish <laughs> thing, like I was, I, yeah. I was howling. I lost it. This movie had me going from to such extremes, from extreme laughter to like crying in the span of like thirty seconds. And I was like, yeah. I felt like I was losing my mind because my emotions were all over the place, which is just the sign of a well done film. Um, yeah, Polka Dot Man. Polka Dot Man is amazing, and the fact mm-hmm. that it truly takes a director like Gunn to handle a character like that, where he's funny and weird, and but like you get just enough of him because I feel like if we got more than what we had, it'd be too much. Yeah, because he's a little too much of an intense character. Yeah, but like that point at the end, <laughs> that's your mom. <laughs> yeah. So so I I so here on second viewing, yes. I'm of two minds about that okay. because. I love that because I love the visual of right. like his giant mom terrorizing the city. It's a great joke. However, I think to truly complete that character's arc, he has to get over that. Oh, and he died way too soon. Yeah, I think I think his character like so a small change I would have done that doesn't add any add a lot more to the movie. I would have had him, you know, I would have had uh, Idris Elba say that and him look up and see his mom terrorizing the city, and then I would have him have a moment where. He shakes himself loose of that, um, uh, what do you call it, that hallucination, hallucination. or whatever it is, um, and he sees the threat for what it really is and yeah. still musters the courage to do it because that's what makes him a superhero. Because like, I think the idea of like, uh, they set it up with like, oh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to kill those guys, but I imagined them being as my mom and it was easy. Like, I think for him to really complete that arc, he should have been heroic on his own terms and not have to make it about his mom yet again yeah 
that's what I would have done. I get why they didn't do that because they wanted that visual of like the mom because it's a funny, it's a funny oh, bit. Oh god, it's a good one. Um, but yeah, I would have had him see that first and then been like, no, it's not about her. It's about me being heroic and and then have that moment. Um, but yeah. yeah, a small a small nitpick. Yeah. But uh, and you still yeah. could have kept him alive and it wouldn't wouldn't have changed anything. Right. I, I, that that death surprised me too. Like I I don't understand why they killed him. Uh, it but, felt too I mean, abrupt. Yeah, it was just like what you brought him all this way for for what? Just he, to get stepped on. He didn't really have a ton to do during the movie. He shows right. up, he's got one deal, mm-hmm. cuts the legs off of his mom essentially, and yeah. then gets stepped on. Like Yeah. I get that it's supposed to just be like in war everybody's expendable kind of thing, but like also yeah, he didn't really need to go. Yeah, if King Shark can survive, why not Pokemon right, Man? Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> Exactly. And I love King Shark, but come on. <laughs> like, how did King Shark have more of a character arc than Polka Dot Man? <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure what King Shark's like arc was really. Like that to me, that was probably the most clumsily handled one because I I don't know. Yeah. Like that whole sequence, I'm still trying to figure out what the sequence was about him making friends with those fish and then them turning on him. That was weird. That yeah. felt like a that felt like an executive's note where it's like oh he should like leave the group and like find this thing it's like <laughs> why May, okay maybe it was him learning the lesson that you don't eat friends but I feel like he kind of already learned that lesson yeah when she was like would you eat your friends and he was like no she's like well yeah. can we be your friends like okay so like, great what you could have had is King Shark trying to eat his friends more throughout the movie I think that would have played better yeah and then when we get to that scene. He real and then he makes friends with those fish, and then they turn on him, and he kind of gets a taste of his own medicine. Then that would have been more powerful. But it's kind of like we—it's like putting a hat on a hat. Like well, he already learned that lesson. Yeah, exactly. And he hasn't tried to eat anyone since. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. No, that was one of the only few things that I was like, as it was happening, I'm like, why are we spending time here? Like they're busy putting bombs up in a tower, and we're doing this. Yeah. Why is there an aquarium full of weird alien like piranha people like up in the like eighth floor of this? So Deal. and that and that was another thing that wasn't explained well enough. But I think that was like this Jotunheim was like all of each floor is like a different level of experimentation being done yeah. by Finker. But that's never really explained. You it's watch enough kind of mad like, scientist movies, you can pick up on that. But it <laughs> yeah. still kind of needs to be said sometimes, especially when right. you're like, we're experimenting with alien technology. It's like, so is yeah. every floor different? Is this all the same? project so that would have been cool if this movie was like three hours long it would have been cool if the movie was about oh shit now we, ha- we have to escape this tower of hell and we have to go through each floor <laughs> that's a different oh. suicide squad movie that <laughs> yeah. i also want to see yeah that's yeah. where you take the you take the airdrop sequence from mission impossible 2 mm-hmm. and combine it with the movie dread and yep. it's like you got to fight every floor to escape. Like I'm down. I want to see that movie. Every floor is a new nightmare. Exactly. But it's all run by this like crazy scientist. Like Yeah. Oh god, that would be That'd good. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um Yeah, man. Oh, let's see. Is there anything else you want to talk about for for the movie? I think I think we I mean, we touched I mean, we can talk about the post-credit scene or scenes. There were two of them. There I don't were. Know if you watch them? Yeah. <laughs> what? Just uh, tell me, because okay. So yeah, here's the they're thing. They're not that involved. All right. I'll fair you. enough. Oh, you know what? I think I saw one, and I was trying okay. to scroll through on my on my um, time bar, 
okay. just to see where if I could catch one, and then I didn't. I missed one, I think. So. Okay, there's okay. one where um, Weasel wakes up on the beach. Yes, I saw that so one. So Weasel is not dead. Um, he just wakes up, and he scurries off into the jungle. And Which, the other Sean Gunn as Weasel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Sean Gunn's cameo as the as the prisoner, like talking oh, trash. I see him. Oh, was that? Sean he's the Gunn? bald guy with okay. the tattoo. Yeah, he's talking gotcha. trash. Like, oh, God, it was good. Gotcha. <laughs> That's funny. I love it um, when he shows. I kind of love that James is, uses his brother as like a Hitch, an Alfred Hitchcock style of like. <laughs> you can tell it's one of my movies because my brother's in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that was good. I, I I always thought I laughed both times at that line. Watching it both times, I didn't know it was Sean Gunn. That's yeah, very Sean funny. Gunn. Um. And then the other scene was um, Steve Agee's character and the blonde woman he works with are at the hospital um, and they're visiting someone and it is Peacemaker who oh. is who has been recovered and he's on it like he, he's not conscious but he's like breathing and they're yes. like we can't believe he's, he survived all this it's pretty impressive blah 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 and I think that is to set up the Peacemaker TV show. Oh probably. And which means Steve Agee and uh, the blonde actress, I can't remember her name, uh, are probably going to be his handlers in that uh, in that TV show, Great. which w- I'm sure would provide a lot of comedy. And Jennifer Holland yeah. is the Jennifer one you're Holland. thinking of. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Um, Steve Agee needs more stuff. Yes. yes he's he does. great. Yeah. So, I like how he's um, a movie star. But he like only pops into these like <laughs> massive budget, like gets his money and then gets out. And you're like, oh, yeah. so you just set yourself up for the next couple of years. Like, yeah. He's also a friend of James Gunn, and James James just puts him in everything too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so th- those are the scenes you missed. Okay. They're not. They're, yeah, they're. they're I'll fine. go back and rewatch. I'm them. sure they're on YouTube now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, guaranteed. Uh, yeah. So the Suicide Squad 2021. Um, yeah, I give it a, a five out of five as well. Oh, it it's a full fantastic. five out of five. It's a home run. It. It's it's amazing. And like I said, I got to watch it a couple more times. But it might be the best superhero movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know how much of like this movie was affected by COVID. I'm sure it was at at, at some at some points in the production, but like to make a movie of this quality in the midst of like yeah. everything that's going on in the world is like a true testament. Oh to my God, James Gunn and his, some of the COVID the TV shows and all of that. Yeah, because some of the COVID and TV shows that are coming, COVID TV shows and movies that are coming out, not good. You can tell <laughs> oh. they were. You can tell they were massively affected by by the uh, pandemic. Yeah, but. Uh, it was good, man. Uh-huh. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's All lovely. Right. All right, Derek, where can people find you online? You can find me at Cinephile84, C-I-N-E-P-H-I-L-E-8-4 on Instagram. You can find me at Derek, D-E-R-E-K underscore N-I-C-K-E-L on Twitter. Great. You can find me uh, at Asan the DJ. That's at A H S O H N the DJ uh, across all social media. You can find episodes of this podcast and more at Weekly Regular uh, on social media or at weeklyregular.com. Derek, thanks uh, so much again for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure, man. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Mm-hmm.